take this first of the year and consecrate it to the Lord and say, God, we just give you this with great joy. Amen. Praise God. And so as we do that, God has given us a word for this year. And he tells us here in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that David went and he was at Ziglag, right? And he was there. Everybody will have a Ziglag experience in your life. There will be a time in your life whenever you will go and everything in your life that you've ever trusted in will be gone. It will be burnt to the ground. There will be nothing left for you to trust in but God. And whenever they were talking of killing David, the Bible said there in verse number 8 that he inquired of the Lord and said, Shall we pursue these troops and shall we overtake them? And he answered him and said to him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail. Without fail, without fail, recover all. Amen. And so today we come with that expectancy that we will recover all. Amen. Everything the enemy has taken from your family, everything the enemy has taken out of your life, your health, your finances, amen, your joy. Some people just need to be baptized in joy. Amen. Don't have no joy. Don't have no peace. But we can recover it all. But how many know there's a greater witness than that? We said that this was a picture and a type of Jesus. But when when David was there, he only could recover what had been taken from him. Amen. But when Jesus came, he was uh, that picture of Jesus in the New Testament that would come. And when Jesus came, he said, you're going to recover everything that Adam lost. And so today we can expect to recover our health. We can expect to recover our finances. We can expect to recover everything today that Adam lost. Amen. In the garden. And then I want to look at Acts chapter 3. And then we're going to worship for a minute. Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. Therefore, repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. That so the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. That's what we've been fasting and praying and seeking God. Because when you get close to God, right? When you get close to Him, you begin to see your own faults. You begin to see your flaws. You begin to see the things you need to change in your life. And so when we get close to him, we can see those things. And so we have repented and we have taken this time of fasting and praying. Why? So the times of refreshing shall come from the Father. And then look at the next verse. He said that he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before. Whom heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things. Restitution is different than restoration. Restoration means you get back what you lost. But restitution means if you stole my car, you've got to pay me. For the time I was didn't have my car, 
you're going to have to pay me, not only restore it, but pay me for the time that you had my car. Amen. And that's the reason why the Bible said when a thief is caught, he must restore seven times. Amen. And I'm here today to tell somebody that if you can receive it by faith, that God don't just want you to get back what you had, but he wants the devil to pay restitution for the things that have been missing from your life. And this is the hour that we come together. This is the time that we are believing God. Amen. Now, we can we have set aside these times that we are coming together. Tonight we'll be here at 6. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday we'll be here at 6.30. And let me just say we've tried everything we can to help you to be a part of this. We'll have food here for you. You can buy it uh, from 5.30 to 6 o'clock, 6.15. And you can get it as cheap or cheaper than you can at McDonald's. And you'll also help the student ministry. We also have a, have a ministry team coming in to take a minister to the children. Uh, so that our ministry team will be able to be a part of these services. We also have taken uh, the nursery and we have somebody in the nursery so that your little children, we're taking care of that so that you can be a part of this. And we're just going to come in here, have a great time. God's going to move and minister and then you can go home and rest. All right. But listen to me. If you don't believe if you don't have a spirit of expectancy, we can go through all of this week and never see the manifest power of God. But when we come with expectation, hey, something great begins to happen. Amen. Amen. Sunday night here, we had three people testify of God healing their eyes. Amen. 2020 vision doctors said for two of them doctors said that they have 2020 vision god has healed them in this season amen hallelujah that's an awesome god and i tell you that to tell you that if god did it for them then he's able to do it for you today amen hallelujah tell your neighbor god is well able hallelujah now let us go into our worship this morning let God minister to you today. Hallelujah. And as we leave here, let us know that we have heard from heaven and that our lives are changed. Don't go through this as the rigors of religion, but go after God this morning. And I promise you, if you go after him and put a demand upon the anointing, you will not leave here the same way you came but you will leave change. Father, thank you for this time that we've come together around your people and your presence. We thank you for everyone that is here today. We come with a spirit of expectation, believing you that you're going to do great and mighty things among us. So Father, as we lift you up today, as we worship you, I pray God that we, as we fill this atmosphere with praise, let healing come, let joy come, let victory come, let peace come, let your word find a lodging place and transform our lives and we give you praise and glory in Jesus name
praise today. Let you know if revival is going to come, it's going to take some clean hands today, amen. friends, Father, Lord, this community today, God, Lord, we speak the name of revival, God, all over this house today, God, Lord, we expect you, God, to do great things, Father, can you do that, can you lift your hands to heaven, just thank him for his presence in this room today,
sing it first, first again from your heart today.
be seated this morning. Our ushers are coming to serve you today. And uh, so as they prepare for your giving today, we want to bless the Lord in our giving here this morning. Amen. Praise God. If you could go ahead and raise the lights for us, Nathaniel. And uh, want you today to just give because you love God, all right? Not because you have to, not because it's out of necessity, but because we give out of great joy. Amen. And so we want that to happen here today. All right. Amen. I think we have a video for the kids going to Winterfest. Is that right? revival for our student ministry. They're going to join about 30 more thousand people. Amen. Down there and uh, come and tell us where it's at. And give your money to this man. Yeah, give me all your money. Now, how are y'all doing well this morning? Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, Winterfest is just not this. It's not a place where you go babysit. Uh, it's not a place where we just uh, go for uh, concerts and just want to feel good about ourselves and leave, not, leave there and do nothing. But Winterfest is an opportunity for these students to go in and have a head-on collision with the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I've gone uh, for years and stuff, and it's 24 to 25,000 of your closest friends. And uh, I've never seen a, uh, a more uh, service or three services, actually, that come into more unity. And they lift up the bloodstained banner of Jesus Christ. It's completely awesome. Um, so I want to let you know what you're giving to today. Um, actually, we did a lot of fundraising uh, for, this, uh, for this opportunity. The kids, if you haven't didn't know they did a lot of Marshall uh, home game stuff, so they worked there. And actually, um, I have two young men who I owe money. They've worked so much. Uh, they have completely paid for their Winterfest uh, account and their trip. So give it up for them. Um, so I actually owe them money. But um, this just isn't for the students. Uh, if you would like to be involved, I would love for you to come. I need chaperones. Um, but a sign-up sheet, it's actually in the foyer and uh, if you're interested in going, we're actually going to meet here and discuss that uh, after service right here in the sanctuary. But the sign-up sheet is back there. Uh, if you have any questions, come see me or my beautiful wife, Miss Tiffany Hutchinson. Amen? Everybody say, uh-huh. All right. All right. Praise God. Are you ready to give today? Ushers come this morning. 
If you're with us for the first time today, we welcome you to the tabernacle, and we just pray that you've uh, received a prayer card on your way in. But if you have not, please get one on on your way out and let us have the privilege of serving you and praying for you and ministering to you today. Father, thank you for this privilege today to give to kingdom work. We ask you now that you would just bless the gift and the giver, and we thank you today that you are faithful in everything that you said you bring to pass. And so we thank you. It's concerning giving as well. You said if we would give, you would give. And so, Father, we thank you today for that reciprocation of love back into our life, and we know that you're doing it on a regular basis. So help us to be faithful in our giving. In Jesus' name, and amen. Amen. God bless you as you give today. Amen. All right, just let me... Say again, the times that we'll be here, we'll be here at 6 o'clock tonight, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 6.30. You can uh, come at 5.30 if you would like to get some food, and uh, then come on in and worship the Lord together. And we're going to have a great time this week. It's good to have Minister uh, Marvin Milton with us this week. If you would stand, sir. Amen. Let's give him a good welcome to the tabernacle. Amen. And he's going to be speaking tonight, and I've just got to know Brother Marvin through going to the point and ministering there. And and so he is a wonderful, phenomenal teacher of the gospel, and especially uh, concerning faith. And you will be blessed by his ministry this week. I promise you that. And so come out tonight and be a part of that. Today it's an honor to have with us uh, one of my good friends, and, and we have met up again about a year ago. And uh, we uh, just connected, have that God connection. And um, Pastor Randall, Pastor is the point. And uh, I tell you, uh, I want you to make him at home today. And if you make him at home, then you're going to have to say, give up something. You know, he's going to be upset if you sit there and look at him. You've got to give him a ha-ha, amen, hallelujah, preach white boy, something. Uh, and so... Because his church is crazy, and uh, it's a fun place to preach. But he's come today with the word from the Lord, and we're uh, just believing God for a great thing today. Amen? Amen. Praise God. So would you just welcome him today as he comes to share the word? Hey, God is good, right? If you're happy and you know it, then let your face show it. Amen? Everybody smile real big and say, I'm happy. Amen. All right, let's get up on your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your feet will surely show it. Stomp your feet. (laughs) All right, what we're going to do is we're going to get our Bibles out. And I believe in the Word of God. Amen. Uh, I mean, just just because I don't wear suits don't mean I don't believe in the Word of God. Amen. I just started reading the Bible and I found more cotton in there than I ever did polyester. So I went that direction. Come on, somebody. Say amen. (laughs) Well, we're going to have a good time now. We're going to talk about faith this week. Um, so as we begin to talk about faith, you can expect, uh, to have some of that doubt on your boat, just broadsided because sometimes faith will make you mad when somebody's telling you about how it can be and you're living opposite of that, you get mad when we talk about healing and two thirds of us are sick, we get mad, but brother, you don't understand my case. 
when we talk about prosperity and we live in paycheck to paycheck and we pay more in interest a month than we put in savings a month and somebody talks about being the, the, the lender and not the borrower and we talk about living by faith, we, we get mad and so we I don't know if I'm coming back. So don't get mad. Come on, everybody shout, put the word on it. Shout, put the word on it. So what we're going to do is, is tonight, uh, Marvin is teaching, and it's his birthday. Would you say happy birthday today to uh, teacher Marvin? Now, he teaches on faith, and I grew up in Kenneth Hagin's ministry. My parents worked for Billy Joe Daughtery. I went to the Maybe Center. My brother went to ORU. I know more about faith than a lot of people forgot. That's what I grew up on. And this man teaches faith better than anybody I've heard. Copeland, Keith Moore. Uh, I mean, he's a faith teacher. But I'm telling you, as we teach it, the enemy, uh, that doubt and that negativity is going to get exposed. And so sometime when a wound gets opened up to get healed, it hurts before it gets healed. Come on, somebody say amen. When we take the bandage off, but guess what? After that medicine is applied and a little bit of pain, it gets all better. Come on, somebody. So don't get mad till Wednesday night when Bishop is preaching and take it all out on him. I'm just kidding. Amen. So let's hold our Bibles up and let's make a confession of faith. And we're going to have a good. And Pastor, it is an honor to be here. Your pastor, uh, Brian and Renee, just wonderful people. Uh, he came to our faith conference last week and just tore the house up with faith. And I mean, it was it, we did nine services in four days. Uh, we did them two a day, Monday through Wednesday. We made people come out at 12 noon. I didn't care if they had jobs or not. People will go golfing and work. So they can come to church. Amen. They can take personal days for God instead of boating. And guess what? They did, and faith arose, and things began to happen. So it's an honor to be here. Let's hold our Bible. Everybody say, this is my Bible. This is the living Word of God. Now, say it like you mean it. This is the living Word of God. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I am more than a conqueror. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Blessed and not cursed. Healed and not sick. Alive and not dead. Today is my day. In Jesus' name. Now give somebody a high five and you can be seated. Now, today we're going to talk about faith, and as we do, we're, we're going to just begin to lay out some principles, and then tonight, Marvin will be sharing, then Monday night, we'll have two chairs up here, and we call it the chairs of faith, and we're just going to begin to, Marvin and I, teach about faith back and forth, maybe even take some questions, and Tuesday night is a miracle night. We want to ask you, starting tonight, to bring in your prayer requests, bring in prayer clause, maybe you have an unsaved relative, and uh, you, you, you got their favorite coat or you have insomnia and you can't sleep. I dare you to bring your pillow and let us anoint that thing out of Acts 19, how special miracles were done by the hands of the apostles so that they took prayer cloths and aprons. If you're trying to sell your house, bring the for sale sign and let us pour some oil on it. Let us touch and agree. And by Wednesday, you might have some money in the bank with a sold house. If you're having trouble with your finances, bring your checkbook or a blank check, avoid a check and lay it on the altar. But tonight, just start, if you're on so much medication, you forget how many pills to take and when to take them. Bring some of them empty bottles and set them on the platform and let's believe God for the impossible. Because all things are possible to those who... 
See, the pressure is not on you to make it happen. The only pressure on you is to believe it can happen. See, I started preaching different, living different, pastoring different, fathering different, husbanding different. When I realized the pressure is not on me to make it happen, the pressure is only on me to believe it can happen. The battle doesn't belong to me, but the spoil does. All things are possible not to those that uh, do enough or not to those that pray enough, but to those that believe. Now, let me say, we pray all the time. We have 24-hour prayer at our church six days a week. We pray, and it's going nonstop, hooked up with the movement from Kansas City. And people come in all the time. But you know, God's not moved by the length of your prayer. He's moved by the correctness of your prayer. So if you pray three hours out of some old theology, that doesn't move God. But you can pray five seconds by faith, and that'll move God. So uh, Smith Wigglesworth said this. This isn't in my notes. I'm not on my notes again. Smith Wigglesworth said, I never prayed more than five minutes, but I never went five minutes without praying. Meaning it's a heart, it's an attitude to live every day. All God has and all God is has been downloaded into us. How many have a computer? Raise your hand. Have you ever downloaded software or bought an app and the little thing says installing the little green line and all that, that, that checkbook software, that Microsoft software, that Facebook software, it's downloading. Do you know when you got saved that all God has, the nature of God was downloaded into your hard drive? Come on, somebody. And then we have the Holy Ghost as our antivirus protection. Glory be to God, meaning that we are in the likeness and image of God. Jesus said the word. I did, you shall do also, and greater works than these, that the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, it lives in me and will quicken my mortal body. I have a 32 gig Holy Ghost hard drive in me called the mind of Christ. See, the Bible says you have three minds. In Timothy, a sound mind. In in the epistles, it says you have a renewed mind. And in the epistles, it says you have the mind of Christ. Everybody say, I have a sound mind. I have a renewed mind. And I have the mind of Christ. So when your mind is sound, when your mind is renewed, when you have the mind of Christ, you'll begin to come up on situations and handle them the way Jesus did. Now, I want you to open your Bible to John chapter 1. Now, this isn't in my notes, but man, I've got like 17 days of stuff to cram into 40 minutes, so here we go. Jesus, when he came up on stuff, he handled it different. Remember when him and Peter were outside the temple and they came in and they tried to harass Peter. Does your master pay tithes to the temple? Does he have, does he pay the temple tax? They were always trying to stir up trouble around Jesus and trap him in something. And Peter said, well, my master always pays his tithes and he always pays the tax that is due the temple as he comes in and he goes out. And so he went to Jesus and, and, and he said, well, look, I want you to go fishing. Now, wait a minute. They needed money. And he said, go fishing. 
See, our mind would say we need money. Well, if I can get 20 partners to give $10 a week, if I can bake five cakes, sell them for $20, I can, I can pay for the new light that I need in the foyer. If, if, if I can do this, I'll get that. And, but see, Jesus' mentality was this. Go fishing, and the first fish you catch in his mouth will be a coin. That'll be enough not only to pay my tax, Peter, but yours too. See, when you have the mind of Christ, you think totally different than everybody around you. The doctor will tell you you're going to die in the mind of Christ. Then he'll tell you, I shall live and I shall not die to declare the works of the Lord. See, the world will tell you you're last and the mind of Christ in you will tell you the last shall be first. Glory be to God. See, the mind of Christ, the renewed mind and the sound mind will tell you totally opposite of what the world system. When your kids come up, don't give them a credit card and teach them how to make payments. Teach them how to be debt free. Well, you're old enough now. Let me teach you the system of the world. We need to go to the bank and get you a loan, learn how to make payments and get your credit. Where in the world do you find that in the word of God? That's the system of this world. We need to teach our kids the system of heaven that I have it and I can pay for it. Glory be to God that I lend it and I don't borrow it. But see, we, we, we talk about this and all of us are trapped under another system. Huh? We, we, ah, I, I need it now and I can't wait. And the bank says I can get it. I know I got to pay 29% interest, but I got to have that 60 inch 3D television. So instead of sowing seed and waiting by faith and paying cash for it, we'll pay Walmart 29% interest. Get mad when the pastor wants a 10% tithe. Amen. Now I said faith will slap across the bow a few times, make you mad. Amen. Now look at John chapter 1. We're going to look at this very quickly. John chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to look at living faith. Can you shout out, my faith is alive? alive. Now shout that out. Y'all didn't shout very loud. Shout, my faith is alive. alive. Shout it real loud. There's kids in the gym. Let them hear it. All right. Now, if our faith is alive, we need to put it to the test. Now look, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And verse 14, and the word coming from verse 1 became flesh and dwelt among us. So we know in the Bible that Jesus and the word are the exact same entity. That the word was only written on pages a few thousand years ago. But 4,000 years before that, the word was already in existence for in the beginning was was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and God took the word and said I need you to take on human flesh and the word became alive and dwelt among us so we know from this one scripture that the word is alive and we know that Jesus is alive say the word is alive say Jesus is alive So if the word is alive and Jesus is alive and that word, the Messiah, Jesus lives in us, then how can we have dead, dull, doubting faith? If the living word is in us, if the living Messiah is in us, then by proxy that life is in us, then how can we have dead, dormant, dying faith if the resurrection and the life, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if that life is in us, how come we do not have a living, breathing faith? 
When Jesus said in John 15, it is expedient that I go away, that I can send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, dwell in you. And then he said that when I go, you should do what I did and greater works. If this life is in us, why is our faith so dormant? Why is it we'll get a report from the doctor and we'll tell everybody what the doctor said and not one person what the word said? The doctor will tell us we're sick and we'll come into agreement with it right now. Oh, I got a spot. The doctor said, I got a spot. We called three people. The doctor said, I got a spot. Y'all get praying for it. I got a spot. And faith doesn't deny the diagnosis, but faith will start to defy the prognosis. And we'll come into agreement. We'll tell everybody, oh, I got a heart problem. And then everybody get in agreement. And, and we start talking about, oh, you better take it easy. You better watch out. You got this. And we'll touch and agree. If any two should touch and agree concerning anything, it shall be done unto them. Well, I can't pay my bills. Well, brother, I'm broke too. Well, I'm broke too. And you get into agreement with a bunch of poor, broke people and then wonder why you can't ever get over onto the blessed side of life because you're touching and agreeing on the wrong stuff. See, the doctor will say, take this pill three times a day, put this uh, stuff into your body, and we'll do it. We won't miss it. We get halfway done with the prescription. We dump it out and go refill it in case we're out of town and forget. But if a preacher says, read your word, that by the blood of Jesus you are healed, by his stripes come to heal. Oh, I ain't got time to do all that, but we got time to go to Rite Aid and CVS. We got time to go to the hospital, the doctor, the nurse, the clinic, the rehab. We got time to touch and agree on all that. And we can't make church but one day a week. And we say we got faith. Now, I told you faith will smack you a little bit. Come on now. Y'all smile, say I love you, Randall. This is why I like when they do my offerings before I preach. I'm not one of these after I preach offering people because it usually shrinks. Because I tell the truth. Amen. If any two should touch and agree concerning anything, what are you touching and agreeing with? Now, I went through, we've all gone through battle. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you won't go through a storm. Jesus was on the boat and a storm happened. He was right there with them. Storms will come. But when the storm comes, Jesus declares you're a mountain mover, not a mountain climber. Come on, somebody say amen to that. I'm not climbing that mountain. I'm moving that mountain. Just because you've got Christ doesn't mean things won't come against you. It doesn't mean that a trial and a tribulation, Jesus said, these things will be. But let not your heart be troubled. Why your heart? Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Glory be to God. So what you're currently talking about is based on what you currently believe. If you're talking about you're going to die, then that's what you believe. No doctor has the right... And we have doctors. I run Compassion in Action. We have doctors and nurses. I travel with them all over the world. In a few months, some of you are going with us overseas to do that. And and I love doctors. If it wasn't for doctors, half my church wouldn't be alive because they ain't all got faith yet. But no doctor has the right to put an expiration date on your existence. No doctor has the authority to tell Randall Black, you got six years to live and then you're going to die. It's going to beat you. You got 30 days to live. Get your. No doctor has the right to put that diagnosis upon me because I have a greater one that lives inside of me and no weapon formed against me shall prosper and the just shall live by faith and all things are possible if you will believe according to your faith, be it unto you. See, I've never done anything but live by faith. 
I'm not one of these tri-vocational, bi-vocational, quad-vocational. I've never done anything for 21 years of full-time ministry and 31 years of constant ministry since 1982. I've never done anything but live by faith. I'm not some Johnny-come-lately, I got an inheritance and I'm going to preach faith to you, or I get a $10,000 honorarium and I'm going to come in and preach faith to you. See, a lot of these faith preachers, they know they're getting 50000 before they even show up, so it's easy to talk faith when you know you got fifty k and you ain't even done nothing yet. But I want to talk to somebody that's got out on the edge of the plank and there ain't no safety net. Come on, somebody. There ain't no check. There ain't no nothing. And all you got is faith. Then that'll show me whether you got faith or not. Come on, somebody say amen. And so I, I've done nothing my whole life but live by faith. My house was by faith. My paychecks have been by faith. Our church was given to us debt-free by faith. Uh, everything, these churches we build overseas, uh, all 15 of them now, debt-free and paid for. We didn't have a dime to do it when we started it, but faith said move it. And then as we moved with it, people started paying for it. Glory be to God. But the step of faith to do it moved the people to give it. I didn't wait till they gave it until I did it. I had to move the atmosphere and then they joined in. See, faith will move an atmosphere before people can even know it needs to be moved. Anytime God wants to change someone's life, he always touches their mouth. Read Jeremiah. (laughs) If God wants to change you, it starts with your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Oh, that just tickled me to death. Why do you want to say that? Tickling and death don't even belong in the same sentence. When you're tickled, you're happy. <laughs> that don't look like death. Tickled me. I don't even call deviled eggs deviled eggs. Why? I don't need no devils in my house. Those eggs in my house, I call them angel eggs. Why? Because life and death are in my mouth and I take it serious. The Bible said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. So I'm not sitting here gossiping about people. I'm not talking about people. I'm not saying I'm going to die. I didn't accept the cancer and the tumors in my throat. I'm not accepting the cancer and the tumor that that was behind my eye. I didn't accept any of that because life and death are in my mouth. And those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. His word is life to my flesh and health to my bones. I ain't got time to eat no devil eggs. I ain't got time to be tickled to death. I ain't getting an old person's brain. I got the mind of Christ. My dad is 75 and his mind is sharp as mine because he is a faith man. He ain't declaring, well, I'm getting old. I can't remember nothing. You say that a million times. No wonder you can't find your keys. Well, brother, you don't understand getting old. I'm getting old too. I got a 20-year-old son. I know I don't look that, but I do. Ha ha. Do you know age does not affect the blood of Jesus? Do you know age doesn't affect the mind of Christ? Do you know age has nothing to do with healing? Do you know age has nothing to do with joy? The two people that sit on the front row of my church, Ann and Bill Ashworth, they run our light and bright ministry. It's our joy and laughter ministry. They're 70 years old and they run the happiest, healthiest ministry in our church. They act like they're 18. Why? Does does it mean they don't have some infirmities and this and that? No, they got some, but no weapon formed against them shall prosper and life and death are in the power of the tug. So they choose life every day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You don't have to go. Mm. See, faith will slap you across the bow every now and then. Come on now. But, you know, every now and then we need a good smack. Amen. Amen. God corrects those he loves. He challenges those he wants to grow further. See, if you're never being challenged, that's called complacency. And once you're complacent, the devil don't even need to attack you. You've attacked yourself. So if you get complacent in faith, then he's got you because without faith, you can't please God. Now, let's go to Hebrews chapter four. Is this all right this morning? Everybody shout, my faith is alive. All right. Now, now just recently, we were put to the test again. I, I never get a break. You'll never find moss on me. I move. I'm preaching 31 times this month in four states, plus my own church. The Lord told us in the Dominican to buy three more acres of land outside San Juan this past October or something. I was like, well, we just finished three buildings. I wasn't really ready. We just went to Panama and built a building so far up the jungle. We were in canoes 65 miles up the river. And I told you that story. 65 miles in little with uh, AK-47s and military people with us because it was it's drug territory. So any minute white people like me are kidnapped. And the Lord said, now you're back. I want you to buy this land. So our president flew down there. We bought it. I said, and the Lord said, we want you to build a teen center on the land. It's like, oh, great, Lord. I just finished building project. I need to build me a church. I mean, we're having three services on Sunday and got nowhere to put the people. Now you want me to build a, another? yes, sir. Okay, we'll build it. The footers are already dug. The ground was so soft, we had to go four blocks down into the ground with the footers on top of the foundation. And the fourth block is just parallel with the ground. That's how soft the ground was where we were building. And then the Lord said, there's some homeless children in the city and they need a home. I want you to find a house. So we found a house and the Lord said, rent the house for these orphan children. And said, well, Lord, I don't have any money. He said, you got enough for the first month, rent the house. So we rent the house. I made one statement that we rented a house and all we had was one month. And before I got out of that, we have services every Tuesday at 12 noon at our church. Every Tuesday at 12 noon, we have a healing service. And before I got out of that service, just mentioning that, somebody said, when you said that, the Lord told me to pay for the whole year. Now, if the step of faith to get the house hadn't happened, the step of faith of the person to pay for it would have never been available. We didn't get the money till we moved by faith. And so faith moved the money. So don't wait on money to move your faith. Let faith move your money. And don't let the spreadsheet determine the vision of your life. Let your vision determine your spreadsheet. When we have trustee meetings at the church, I don't look at the bottom line. I don't care nothing about it. That's natural, and I see by faith. And that spreadsheet is not determining what God is telling me to do or not to do. That vision will increase that spreadsheet. And every time we do something without the money, the money comes. And then every time we try to do it because of it, it don't work. Why? Because without faith, you can't please God. Touch your neighbor and say, how's your faith today? All right, look at Hebrews 4.12. And I promise I'm not going to keep you but half the day. You said you got food tonight so we can just stay and eat and come back like the old times we used to do. Amen. Some of y'all, y'all look like some of y'all were at the old times so we could do that. I grew up that way, man. We went to church all day on Sunday. Some of y'all young people just in and out stuff. I don't know. It's good. I mean, I don't mind it. But when we went to church, we was there pretty much all day. 
We went in the morning, went out to eat, and before we got home and undressed, it's time to go back. Prayer meeting before the preacher preaches, and everybody's praying. Amen. I remember them days. Maybe we could do that today. We got two people. Talking about faith. They ain't got faith to even come to church. I help me. I'm just kidding. Everybody smile. All right, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is dead and done. Nobody going to correct me? Well, now, the way a lot of preachers preach it, well, this is the way it used to be. And, you know, in the good times. And, you know, when Jesus was alive. And, but Jesus ain't alive now, and he don't understand. We got bad government, bad economy, high gas prices. Nobody's hiring. I'm on a fixed income. The only reason you're on a fixed income, you're only on a fixed income if you don't give. I'm on a fixed income, too. My salary doesn't change week to week. The church don't give me 10000 one week and 500 the next. It's fixed. But that's only one part of, my, part of my source. I give about 20% of my income, so I have a fixed income that I know of, but I have an unfixed hundredfold income that comes in all the time that I don't know. So it doesn't matter if you're on Social Security, disability, or you work for the coal mines or the Walmart. That's just a portion of your income. If you give, your income is never fixed. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it says, piercing even to the division of the soul, the mind, will, and emotion, and the spirit, and of the joints and of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. So the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, like a, a surgeon's knife that can take the marrow out of a bone. This was before laser knives were invented. This is before bone marrow transplant was invented. And the Holy Ghost has given the apostle a revelation that God's word is sharper than anything man can come up with. It'll divide your soul and your spirit. It'll discern your thoughts and the intents and the motivations of your your existence on earth and because the word is like a mirror and it'll discern that's why most people don't like the word of God because the word will say the joy of the Lord is my strength and then they're all miserable grumpy and depressed so they put it down well that's just not my personality when you got saved you are not who you used to be old things have passed away behold all things have become new well, my daddy was grumpy. Well, you got saved. You are a new creation. You don't have to be grumpy. Well, my mama drank alcohol and my daddy drank alcohol. It's in my DNA. Well, once I got washed by the blood, I got me a new DNA strand called the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? See, the word of God is quick and powerful. It's alive. And if his word is alive, and we know by definition of John that the word and Jesus are one and the same. If the word is alive and Jesus is alive, our faith has got to be alive. See, a lot of people use the two-edged sword. If my husband would only get his life right. If my wife would just uh, get her attitude adjusted. and. If my job would just pay me more, if pastor, and we use the word of God to stab everybody else, the two-edged sword is not for you to slice and dice anybody but yourself. It's to take and go, and it'll discern who you are. See, your faith 
will work for you. My faith won't work for you. And your faith won't work for me. See, if the word is alive, it's quick and powerful. It's a discerner. When the doctor says you're going to die. See, faith is the voice that in the middle of the battle will declare the victory when it looks like you're about to be defeated. Faith is the voice in you that will declare the outcome when you don't even know what you're going to be, what the outcome is. And faith will begin to speak the outcome in the middle of the battle. Faith will look at the mountain and tell it to move when religion will tell you to climb it. Faith will look at the cancer and see healing when the doctor sees chemo. Faith will look at at this or the marriage falling apart and declare to you that I can reconcile it. I can resurrect it. Faith is that voice in you that is alive. It's quick and it's powerful powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It it won't deny the diagnosis, but it'll defy the prognosis. Faith calls those things that be not as though they are. It does not call those things that are as though they be not. And see, there's a fine line of false faith teaching where they'll call things that are, that that, they call faith calls those things that are not as though they are. It doesn't call those things that are like they don't exist. That pew is bluish green. That's a fact. The doctor can say, I have three gross in my throat. That's, 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 uh, that's a truth. But I have something greater than that truth. I have the truth. Amen. That yes, that's a true diagnosis. I can see that on the camera, doctor. Yes. That is the diagnosis, but my faith is going to defy the prognosis because faith overcomes. Faith doesn't go under. Faith goes over. Come on, somebody say amen. And, like, and the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when the pressure's on, what you say is who you are. Stub your toe in the middle of the night and go to cussing and all that. Where'd that come from? Out of your heart. It didn't just come from nowhere because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speak. I hate you. You ugly. I'm broke. I can't tithe. I can't do this. I can't. Where's all that come from? Whatever you're putting in your heart. But if you look at life, I'm more than a conqueror. Yeah, I might be 70 or 80, and I can't run a 4-4-40 anymore. I don't work 60 hours a week anymore. But faith isn't a determination of my physical strength. Faith is a determination of my spiritual strength. And I can sit in my recliner, and I can sit in my wheelchair. I can sit uh, uh, during the day. I'm not up as many hours as I used to be. But faith isn't my physical strength. It's my spiritual. And I can still bind and lose. I can still pull down and lift up. I can still encourage and not discourage. I can still believe. You don't have to work 60 hours a week to believe. You don't have to be 30 to believe. You can be 85, 95, 35, 45. It's not a matter of physical strength. It's a matter of spiritual strength. Mm. See, the word is alive. Jesus is alive. And your faith has to be Put your faith to the test this week. When you get in your situation, something you can't handle, that's a good thing. Because that means you got to trust him by faith. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. Hebrews 4, verse 2. Now, this is interesting because I used to put pressure on myself to preach good every service. I don't do that anymore. Because some, like Wednesday night, I told my church, I'm tired. I've done 18 days in a row. I'm going to sit down and talk to you tonight. Y'all sit down every time y'all come in here. Why don't I ever get to sit down? So I had to bring a chair and I just sat down and I, I, I preached. I wanted to get up so bad, but I didn't because I just, I'm going to sit down and enjoy church like y'all get to. 
I don't have to be crazy to get the point across. We should be able to read the word and there's so much faith in you. That it doesn't matter if we look cool or if we are hip and whether we can scream or shout or whether we can put a rhyme or homily together, whether we can illustrate it or we can oritate it, we can proclamate it and exclamate it. All we ought to have to do is read it. And there's so much faith in you that you just begin to shout and proclamate and homilate and all that kind of to come on somebody. All right, let's prove that out. Here's the proof. Hebrews 4 verse 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them. Now that contradicts Isaiah that the word of God does not return void. Now we're going to explain that. It doesn't return void for those who believe it. If you don't believe it, it don't work. All right, and I felt some resistance on that. In my hotel room, there's a Bible. You ever travel? And when I stay at Marriott, the Book of Mormon goes in the trash. They have a Bible and a Book of Mormon, and I'm paying for that room, and that book won't be in there, so I disregard mine in the lobby trash every Marriott I stay in. Because I do not want, the Bible says it's a sin to add to or take from the Word of God, so I'm not having that in my room. Understand, I take this serious. But there's a Bible in my hotel room. I guarantee you in the suite that I'm in over there in Barbersville, I guarantee you sometime this year there's been a party with fornication and adultery, drugs and alcohol in that room. But wait a minute, there's a Bible there. The Bible would stop it. No, the Bible don't stop it unless you believe it. Just because that Bible's in the room don't mean somebody ain't going to do a line of coke in there. They got to open it. They got to let the life come out of it. They got to connect with it and believe it. All things are possible to those who... So here we go. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word they heard did not profit them. Now why? Not being mixed, mixed with a good enough illustrated message. There's pressure on us in the modern church, but we got to illustrate every, up the game every week. <laughs> There's pressure on us. I mean, because, I mean, I can get a better service online. If you don't do it good here, Pastor, I can just click online and go to church. I can give there. I can give to Jensen Franklin and live 900 miles away from him. You better up the game. So there's some pressure, but really there's not. Look what it says. Did not profit them, not, not being mixed with a good enough worship experience, not being mixed with good enough lighting experience, not being mixed with a good enough children's ministry, No, not being mixed with faith in those who preached it. Those who preached it. Everybody say those who heard it. So when I read this, I said, wait a minute. The pressure isn't on me to perform every Sunday. The pressure's on the congregation to hear it and to hear it by faith. So let's do an illustration. You guys are the them and you guys are the others. I'm preaching the word. Jesus, the just shall live by faith. Cancer is dead. You're prosperous and all that. And you hear it and you hear it and I'm preaching and I mean things are happening and you're hearing it and this group hears it by faith and this group hears it by circumstance, by religion, by doubt and unbelief. And so when we get done with service, this group is like, oh my God, that was the best service I ever heard. Praise God, my knee is healed. Who I got home and somebody had put a check in my mailbox. Glory be to God. The depression left me and I got a spirit of joy. Man, what a service. Glory be to God. I got it. And then this group leaves. Boy, I'm going to find me another church. That pastor don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to tell my back hurts so bad. If they worship the Lord any longer, I'm going to start showing up later. Because I don't think with three songs, giving God 20 minutes. Oh my God. Can't we do one? Same service. 
They hurt it by faith. They hurt it by something else. They leave one way. They leave another way. Happens every Sunday in churches. And it had nothing to do with the preacher. Had nothing to do with the worship leader. Had nothing to do with the lighting and the media. It had to do with the spirit of faith and the hearer. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So if we want our faith to grow, we've got to hear the word of God. Now, I'll take this serious. My wife sometimes is even at odds with me. Not in a bad way, in a good, in a good way. Because I get on the kids. What'd you put that on Facebook for? You trying to work for somebody and put negative stuff about your employee? You trying to find another job? How stupid is that? Life and death in your mouth. You better take that off there and put some life up there. You're going to be stuck there all your life, son. We'll be talking about something. I don't know what we're going to do. Well, what in the world? Don't you have a good pastor, sweetheart at your church? Tell my wife, in your pastor, what do you mean you don't know what you're going to do? How are we going to pay this? He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. He has never seen the righteous forsaken. His seed never begs for bread. I ain't begging nobody for nothing. I ain't asking over and over for the just shall live by faith and faith alone. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glories. I'm not looking for a blessing. A blessing is looking for me. I don't go around begging people for stuff and asking for this and that because I'm not spending my life in pursuit of a blessing. I want blessings spending their life in pursuit of me. Seek first the kingdom of God and he'll add all this stuff. Or you can be one that seeks the stuff and misses the kingdom. God doesn't mind you having the stuff. This is just a thought. Here's a thought. Just came to me when I said that. God doesn't mind you having the stuff. He told them they were talking about all this stuff right there and talking about the Gentiles and this and that. And Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom, all this stuff, the stuff they're talking about, that'll be added to you. But if you seek the stuff, you'll miss the kingdom. But if you seek the kingdom, you'll get the kingdom and the stuff. My motorcycle don't keep me from church. We created a church around the motorcycle. Well, that's a good day. I'm just going to miss church. You could have missed work to ride your motorcycle. Why miss church? What's more important, your work or your God? You know, see, we'll, we'll, we'll take off church to golf, but we ain't taking off work to golf. We'll take off church to go to the lake, but I ain't missing work to go to the lake. Come on, somebody. Well, if I take off, I'm going to miss $50. No, how about if you take off to spend a day with your family? The Lord says if you honor them and you honor him, he'll bless you. You might not get it that week, but they'll give you some overtime. Next week, you'll get that plus double. Now, see, stuff, God doesn't mind. But if you get the stuff... And not the kingdom, you'll miss the kingdom. But if you get the kingdom first, he'll give you the stuff and the kingdom. And then the blessing of the Lord will make one rich and add no sorrow to it. See, when God blesses you, it doesn't make you sorrowful. When we bless ourselves, it makes us sorrowful. I worked for that. I worked overtime for that. I worked 10 years to buy that. I did this. And so when somebody wants to borrow it, no, you ain't borrowing that. That's my motorcycle. And I worked five years to get that thing. You want to stay in my house? Uh-uh. I worked. Because we did it, we did it, we did it. If you realize that you're not an owner of anything but a steward of everything, everything I got belongs to the Lord. When people want it, I give it. Glory be to God. Because it ain't mine. It's God's. And if I give it to them, he's going to make sure I get it back plus some glory. Be to God. It's good to give better than that than to receive. 
But see, our faith has to be alive. Now, I want to close out with a few scriptures. Is this all right? Go to Hebrews 11. I'm trying to get all this in. Do y'all mind if I take my jacket off? Are y'all okay with that? I like to honor how y'all do things. Is that all right? Okay. I was in a church recently and I had to wear a suit and tie and I hadn't done that in a long time. Thank you, sir. But I I honor the house of where I'm at. If they need me in a suit, I wear a suit because I'm not my own. I'm there for the cause of Christ. And if a suit reaches them, then I'll put a suit on and reach them. Glory. But I like y'all kind of people that blue jeans reach you. Amen. Like I said, there's more cotton in the Bible than polyester. That's all I'm saying. Hebrews, think about it. It's true. We're going to be biblical and King James only. Put your robe on, baby. It's just funny how people say that they only believe in that one thing. And then when I look at their life and go to their house, man, I'm like, good golly molly. You don't really believe what you just told me. No, Lord, I'm not going there. I'm back. All right, Hebrews eleven six. I won't read verse 1. You all know about substance and evidence. Faith has tangibility. Verse 6 says, but, it's impo- but without faith it's impossible to please him. And for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a destructor of all those who seek him. No, he's a rewarder. See, God's not some mean dude in the sky like the Greek god Zeus or the lightning bolt him. You live, you die. No. Without faith, you can't please God. And if you come to God, you come to him by faith, and you've got to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The blessing of the Lord make, no, make, uh, make one rich and add no sorrow. Psalm says, forget not all the benefits of the Lord that he daily bestows upon us. Yes, at work I got insurance, but with God I got life insurance. Come on, somebody. At insurance I got a financial plan, but with God I got a bonus plan. Come on, somebody. They can send me to the doctor after I'm sick, but God can heal me before I'm sick. I got some benefits from God that, that Anthem can't give me or offer me that my church can't afford. See, I see things by faith. I don't see things the way most people. So when the devil comes at you, I want to give you this thought. And then I'm going to give you a a couple foundational scriptures as we stand in a minute. Without faith, you can't please God. What I've learned is this. When I go to pray for people, I never seen Jesus praying like 50,000 minute prayers over people until he got just the right feeling in them. And then it happened. The Bible said, if any two would touch and agree. Paul said in Colossians that when people came, he said, I just pray, Lord, that you would reveal their will to you would reveal your will unto them. Sometimes I pray with people. They got so much stuff. I mean, I could pray 50 days. So I just, Lord, reveal your will unto them, because if they know your will, they're going to be set free. I don't need to pray all this stuff. I need to pray they have a revelation of who you are. And then the Bible said, if any two should touch and agree, Jesus just looked and said, be healed, be whole, go. Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't long enough. that He didn't stop at me in the prayer line. Usually if they, you know, we do the prayer line and then certain people think that if you didn't stop at them, nothing happened. Well, usually it's the one you hit quick, most happened with because their faith was ready and you didn't have to battle long. It was touch and agree, touch and agree. Sometimes when you got to stop at somebody, unless you have a word, it's because there's a battle there. So don't get it wrong. Who that evangelist didn't stop on me? I didn't get my answer. You probably got your answer. 
You probably got your answer when you left your seat by faith just to come to respond. It already happened. If any two should touch and agree. If you're in need of something, I've learned this principle. If you're like, you know, I'm having this trouble, I'll just say, I touch and agree in Jesus' name. And that's done because the Word of God says, if any two should touch and agree, it is done. Glory be to God. So I don't have, oh, in the name of Jesus. Well, how'd you get into that situation? Well, what, well, what, what was your grandmother's last name? Well, where'd you grow up? Oh, yeah, that county is known for this demonic spirit and this and that. Now, who was your father and this and that? I don't have to go into all that and blah, blah, blah. All I got to do, if he believes all things are possible, if any two should touch and agree, it's done. That cancer's gone. Gone. God doesn't care how long you pray. He just cares if you pray right. He's more concerned with the correctness and faith of your prayer than the length of it. You can move a mountain with one word. Why do words move mountains? Because words created mountains. Life and death are in your tongue. It is impossible to please God without faith. This is my point. When the enemy comes after you with sickness, he's not after your body. He's after your faith. Because if he can separate you from your faith, he separates you from God. If money gets you, he'll attack your money. And if he can get you to have more bills than you have money, and then your money will cause your faith to waver, and I can't give, and I can't help, and I can't go, then he'll come at you with your money because he's not after your money. He can't spend it in hell. He's after your faith. If joy gets you, he'll come after your joy because if depression separates you from God, then that separates you from your faith and causes you to doubt and question. He's not after your mind. He's not after your money. He's not after your body. He's after your faith because faith connects you to God. So if he can take your faith, he can separate you. So we got to have faith, living faith. Mark eleven twenty two says this, have the faith of God. That's a bold statement. I had one guy debate with me, well, you can have God's faith. Well, why can't I? If he's in me, who else's faith would I have? Well, brother, no, that's sacrilegious. Then why did Jesus say it? Brother, that ain't what the denomination teaches. I'm in a denomination. Doesn't mean I agree with everything they agree in. We agree in enough to be together, but I'm a little more faith than my denomination is. And now they're starting to use me to stir it up in the denomination. Isn't it amazing how they used to talk about you and then they'll use you? Huh? Because your gift will make room for you if you just stay with enough integrity and character to see it through to the other side. Faith. The just. Now I'm going to read you three scriptures. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified, Romans 117. Let's stand on our feet if you would because... I promise you I'm going to get you out of here because I want you to come. If you enjoy teaching, Romans 5, 1 and 2, first, sir. Romans 5, 1 and 2 in the Amplified if you have it. If you enjoy teaching, I'm going to tell you, Minister Marvin Melton, I started the year in Miami a few weeks ago, and then we had our service. We're here. Then next month will be in North Carolina. Marvin and I will be back together in Indiana in March. Then in May we'll be in North Carolina together, then at Virginia Beach Uh, And the Lord just began to open doors to just go and talk about faith and stir faith. And I think God wants to stir faith in the body of Christ because I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but I'm telling you this, things will not get easier and things will not get better. And the just shall live by faith. We found out two years ago, your 401k, I lost 32% of all my life savings when the stock market went down. I had that money gone. So now I got to live by faith. 
See, there's economic turmoil, there's governmental turmoil, there's socialism overtaking the world and liberalism overtaking the world and, and, and everything. Look to the government to feed you. Look to the government for health care. Look to the government for baby care. Look to the government for child care. Look to the government for gas handout. Look to the government for a chicken in every pot. See, they want you to look to the government and not to God. And so I believe the Lord is having me stir up faith in 2013 because the just and his kingdom will survive by faith. I won't survive by my handout. I won't survive by my paycheck because if money has no value, my paycheck means nothing. And if I have no paycheck, I can't buy medicine. And if I was living off medicine to heal me, now I've got to live by faith. Come on. Everything starts with the dollar. If you don't have a dollar, you don't get the medication. You don't have the medication. You live, so you better have faith. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, Romans 5, 1 and 2 in Amplified. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith. Everybody say, through faith. So we are justified, acquitted, and declared righteous, not by works, not by me preaching 30 times a month. You're justified by faith. Verse 2 says, through him also we have our access, entrance, and introduction by faith. Your justification, you can play softly, I enjoy that. Your justification is by faith. Your access to God is by faith. Then Romans 1.17 is one of the most powerful scriptures that I've ever heard in the Amplified. And I read it in the Amplified because it amplifies it, makes it loud. For in the gospel of righteousness which God describes is revealed. So in the gospels, it's revealed, not hidden. Both springing from faith and leading to faith. Disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live by faith. Now the Holy Spirit's given me another scripture, I believe. It's Hebrews 10. Yes, the Holy Spirit's never wrong. He'll make you a genius. I don't even have this one highlighted. Hebrews 10, 38. Oh, my. Wow. Well, I didn't want to end like this, but the Holy Spirit wants me to. Now, I'm going to read you a scripture. It's going to make you mad. It's going to make you think. Maybe I don't have as much faith as I've been saying I have. I've been living off my provision and not God's provision. I've been living off my abilities and not God's. Hebrews 10.38 says this. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, meaning draws away from faith, my soul has no pleasure in him. See, I made a vow to the Lord in August 1981. Tulsa, Oklahoma. In July of 1981, I was saved, really. In 76, I was saved in Bible school in the Southern Baptist. But in 1981, at Kenneth Hagin Camp Meeting in the Tulsa Convention Center, I was saved. Willie George laid hands on me. I baptized me in the Holy Spirit just five minutes after my conversion. I made a vow to God. I got up early every day, the sixth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. 
I got up at 5 o'clock every day without anybody waking me up. And I read the Bible through every year. As the Lord said, I've called you and you must prepare your life. And I made a written vow to the Lord that I had up until 1997 when a flood took our basement. And I said, Lord, I'll preach the gospel every day that I'm alive. And the day I stop preaching, I give you permission to kill me and take me off this earth. And that's the vow I made to the Lord. And in July of 1982, a year later, I preached my first sermon at Faith Alive Fellowship in Elkton, Virginia for Pastor Donnie Meadows 30 years ago this year. And every day of my life, and I'd run a little bit, and I had to go to high school and college. I was in the military. But the incorruptible seed is in you. It never leaves you. And every day, I wasn't pastoring, but I was preaching. I didn't have a church, but I was shepherding people. Because once you start in faith and you draw back, God says, I take no pleasure in you any longer. You can't have faith one day and doubt the next day and please God. Without faith, you can't please God. He takes no pleasure. You can't say one day I'm healed and the next day, oh my God, I'm not going to make it. That's not faith. Faith finds a way. Your flesh will find an excuse. Faith will find a way for you to get here tonight. Your flesh will tell you all the Pro Bowl's on. All the golf is on. Oh, NASCAR test trials is on. Oh, it's cold. I need to stay home and rest. Your flesh will tell you a hundred reasons. Trust me, I've got a nice hotel room with the hot tub. My flesh will tell me, Marvin, you're preaching. I'm going to take tonight off. I'm, I, I could just relax. But faith will find a way. Flesh will find an excuse. I want to ask you this morning, and I think I'm right on time. It's 12 noon. I want to ask you this morning if you would say, Pastor Randall... I need a faith injection. I, I just really, I've got it, but I just really needed to hear that my faith needs to be more alive than it's ever been. Would you just raise your hand? I'm there, man. I'm preaching it every day, and God is stretching my faith. We sent 50 missionaries to Virginia Beach yesterday, 500 miles round trip, to feed the homeless. We got the overseas projects. We got five, six-day-a-week prayer ministry, eight services a week at the church. It takes a lot of faith. Seven staff members to pay, their families to feed. It's all faith. We don't have a product to sell. We don't have a number one selling diamond and make high price. It's just faith. Preach the gospel and trust people to respond by faith. If you're here today and you say, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ. Every head open, every head up, and every eye open. You say, I just need to make a fresh dedication of my life to this man, Jesus. I've heard about this spirit of faith. Is there anybody here at all on Sunday morning say, I just need to make a rededication? You just raise your hand. Anyone? There's one there. There's one there. There's two. Now, what I want to do, everybody that raised your hand on the first altar call, I want you to step out and come. It's probably a couple hundred of you. I want you to come right now. We're going to have a faith exercise. And the two of you that are going to rededicate your life, I want you standing right in front of me right here. We're all coming together. And I want you to come toes right to the front step and then make three or four lines. It's going to be a lot of people, but we're going to crowd in here. There's going to something happen as you leave your seat by faith. You're stirring the waters. You're making a step of faith. The just shall live by faith. Everybody come right on up to the altar that's up here, y'all. They're coming behind you. Y'all just come on up. Y'all come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, fill in this space if y'all would. Come on up. 
Marvin and Bishop, would you join me on platform? We're going to pray with some people as the Spirit leads you. Y'all just come right on up. Yeah, just come right on up. Come on up. Now, if y'all feel led at all as you're going back and forth, just because somebody doesn't pray with you doesn't mean God hasn't done something. Your hope is not in man. When you took the step of faith to respond, it moved heaven and earth. You have the keys of the kingdom of binding and loosing. It doesn't matter if I touch you or do not touch you. The woman with the issue of blood was never touched by Jesus. She, uh, she touched Jesus. He did not touch her. So don't put it in, well, I was in a... Right now, you just begin to pray and believe, God, all things are possible to those who believe. Just begin to lift your hands right now. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Hallelujah. And if you guys feel a word to touch and agree, just grab a hand and say, I touch and agree. I touch and agree. Now, I want everybody to pray this prayer with these two that are coming home. I want everybody to pray this prayer. Lord, today I accept Jesus Christ. I repent of my sin. I repent of my lack of faith. I believe that you are the son of God, that you died, that you rose again, and that you are seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth, I am forgiven, and you are Lord in Jesus' name. Now let's take three minutes is all I'm asking. I want you to just begin to pray and believe for the wildest dream imaginable right now. I want you to give birth to that dream and that calling right now. Maybe the doctor has told you like he told me a year ago, you'll never talk again. The third surgery we do will take your vocal cords from your body. Maybe a doctor has told you the tumor is going to take your heart. The tumor is going to take your kidney. Two weeks ago, we had a man in church that had two kidneys taken out of his body. They were the two largest kidneys ever removed in the state of Virginia. One weighed 15 pounds and four ounces, and the other kidney weighed 11 pounds. He's alive today and not dead. They said, we don't even know if you'll survive the surgery. A 15-pound kidney is bigger than a football, and he had two of them. So I want you to believe God right now. If you're believing for a job, just believe right now. Lord, I thank you for everybody suffering from dementia or forgetfulness, Father God, that they have the mind of Christ, that Alzheimer's is not part of the history of this church. Father God, dementia is not a part of the seniors of this church, but they have a sound mind. Lord, they have a strong spirit. Though their flesh might be weaker, their spirit might be stronger. I'm hearing a word of the Lord for the seniors of this church. I'm hearing the word of the Lord for the seniors of this church. You are not forgotten, says the Lord. But the Lord says, you must rise up in your spiritual authority. For where your flesh is weak, your spirit has become strong. And you need to begin to become the prayer warriors of this house. You might not can do the physical labor that you used to do. You might not be able to put in the hours you used to put in, says the Lord. But the Lord says you still have a believer on the inside of you called faith. And so you need to begin to believe for this house and pray for this house. Begin to bind and begin to loose. Begin to lift up and begin to call down, says the Lord. Begin to bless and begin to uh, speak life, says the Lord. Lord, I thank you for every arthritic bone being healed, popping back in the joint right now. 
every swelling and every tendon, every knuckle, every joint, let it be healed now in the name of Jesus. Every hardened up liver, let that liver be healed in the name of Jesus. Every closed over artery, let it be healed, Father God. Every aneurysm, every stroke victim, every stroke patient, Father God, that blood vessels open in the name of Jesus. Yahweh, Emmanuel Adonai, you are Jireh, you are Rapha, you are Yeshua, you are the Messiah, you are Emmanuel, you are Adonai, you are Rapha, you are Nisi, you are Sitkanu, you are El Elohim, you are the Most High, you are the Healer, you are the Deliverer, you are the Waymaker. As we close, I want you, every person in this building, I want every person, I want to ask you to bring something to this altar that represents faith. I don't call them prayer requests, I call them faith requests. Whatever it is, a picture of a loved one that needs saved. If you're addicted to tobacco or, you know, we talk about people addicted to to nicotine, we don't say nothing to people addicted to caffeine. Caffeine will do as much harm to your body as nicotine. We talk about people that do drugs. We don't talk about people that overeat in the church. And the Bible says gluttony is no different than adultery. If you have an eating problem, bring a food, set it there. If you have a smoking problem, bring it there. If you have a caffeine problem, bring a pack of Folgers. Anything you have to have more than God is an addiction. If you have a TV problem, bring your remote control. If you can't sleep at night, bring a pillowcase. If your children have nightmares, bring the stuffed animal they sleep with. And we're going to anoint that thing uh, tonight and tomorrow and Tuesday. We're going to anoint it with the power of the Holy Ghost because the anointing is transferable. They took aprons from the body of Paul so that the blind were healed, that the dead were raised. And it says there were so many unusual and special miracles they couldn't even keep track and record them all. We had a couple that needed to move to Colorado and real estate was really bad two years ago. They brought their for sale sign to the church. We poured oil on it. In less than 36 hours, their house sold and they found one in Colorado. God moved heaven and earth. The anointing will destroy the yoke. It'll remove the bondage and the burden. So everybody bring something again to fill this up tonight. I'm going to turn it over to you, Pastor. Remember, you walk by.